0: Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church. Discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all.
1: Hello, and welcome to Living Stones. I am your co-host, Ken Hellenius, sitting in my virtual studio in South Bend, Indiana, and sitting across from me in his virtual studio in Portland, Oregon, is the man who is the next driver of the Oscar Mayer Mobile, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Hello, Deacon. <laughs> uh, hey, Ken.
0: You know, I'm just sitting here wishing I was an Oscar Mayer Wiener. <laughs> oh, I'd love to be an Oscar <laughs> Mayer Wiener.
1: I saw a story Uh, recently that the uh, the people at Oscar Mayer are uh, taking the uh, the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile to Las Vegas to set up outside of one of those Vegas wedding chapels. Now, of course, obviously, this is a different understanding of of uh, marriage than we uh, as Catholics profess. And it seems, you know, uh, obviously, what what would be the right term? Less than ideal. And yet I couldn't help but giggle just thinking how, you know, there are certainly people out there who's who would be delighted by having their marriage in front of the Wienermobile. Uh, I don't know that it's my scene.
0: <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, uh, I don't think so. Maybe a little snack, a snack after the wedding. Maybe, there you go. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, I, I do. That would make a fantastic snack for the uh, for the reception. You know, have the yep. Wienermobile cater your uh, cater your reception. It'll be the best of all possible worlds. You'll have the sacrament, and then you'll have uh, delicious, delicious tube steaks, as I like to call them, hot dogs.
0: <laughs> That's right,
1: <laughs> Deacon. Uh, we are so how are uh, things going, Ken? Yeah, we are. Uh, I think I mentioned last week that we are preparing. This is the uh, the weekend when we are going to be honoring Robbie George of Princeton University here. Uh, we're going to honor him with the Notre Dame Evangelium Vitae Medal, so we're going to have a big celebration. We have about 500 people join us for Mass. Bishop Kevin Rhodes, who's our the Bishop of Fort Wayne South Bend, is going to celebrate and preach the, the Mass beforehand, and then we're going to have a fantastic banquet in the South Dining Hall. And uh, lots of families and scholars, lots, of course, Robbie George being himself a professor of of, uh, jurisprudence and the law. There will be lots of representation from the law school and all of our Soren fellows, you know, who are the uh, students undergraduate and graduate that are affiliated with the center. So just a joyful occasion for life coming up here at Notre Dame. And gosh, after that, maybe a week more of class and then the students are... Scattering to the four winds to uh, to have their summer break. And and some, of course, are going to graduate and go off and be forces for good in the world. So, yeah, it's a busy time here on campus. How about you? Oh, wonderful. Wonderful.
0: Yeah. So, I actually have a little bit of a, a hiatus. I, I went to, um, I spoke at a men's conference in Louisiana and then did a, a short parish mission in Boston. And uh, I'm actually, you know, really home for the next few weeks, which is good just a little bit of a lull in the schedule, but that leaves me time to write. You know, I have, you have my uh, sixth book coming out from Ignatius Press in the fall, but I have another book (laughs) for, actually, Ave Maria there at Notre Dame wants me to do another book. Since the last book I wrote for them won a book award, so they want me to do another book. And the theme is called Invisible Worlds is the theme they want me to kind of develop. It's kind of walking the line between the temporal and the transcendent. You know, and, and how, how our lives intersect both realms, you mm. know, the heavenly and the earthly. What does that look like? You know, or who who are some saints that are models of that for us? You know, and that, that kind of thing. So, well, I'm still kind of thinking through the concept how I want to lay the book out. So it's very early stages, but I have time to do that. You know, I'm still writing for Deacon Magazine. I have an article due there shortly. I'm still doing a biblical study on um, Spirit Catholic Radio. I'm on there every every other month or so doing some scriptural exegesis. So I've got my next one to do for that on Exodus. Yeah, so I just got to. I'm going to go to pilgrimage with Father Leo Padalinhung. You know, we're going to go to Croatia and to Italy. You know, so yeah, lots lots of cool things coming up.
1: Uh, is he going to be doing all the cooking during that trip is what I want to know, because, of course, that's <laughs> uh, that's what I think of when I think of Father Leo, of course, you know, because he has the cooking show on EWTN. And he has a recent book out uh, called like Dining with the Saints that he uh, co-authored with the uh, with, uh, I think, Michael Heinlein. So it's really kind of uh, he, he has a bit of a cottage industry in the kitchen. Yeah,
0: that's right. He will be cooking not all the meals, but he'll be cooking several of the meals. <laughs> For us there, you know, as, as he, if you ever seen him, he, he teaches as he cooks, yeah, you know, which is wonderful. So he'll be imparting beautiful truths of the faith as he's in the kitchen there, uh, preparing the meals, uh, for us. So, uh, yeah, very excited. Uh, we're, we're good friends, but we've never been on pilgrimage together. So, it was, uh, I'm excited to be with him for uh, about 10 days, 10 to 12 days.
1: Fun, fun. Well, we need to still think about what we're going to do when we do our pilgrimage together, Deacon. So, we gotta, yeah, Dad, got put our so heads awesome. together. Living Stones pilgrimage, I would love that.
0: So, all of our listeners out there, if you're seriously interested, let us know. And yeah. and that's something that we can definitely arrange to make happen. We just have to have you know enough interest in people that want to travel with us. And where would you like to go? You know, that's the other thing too. Yeah. Where where would uh, the Living Stones uh, listenership? Uh, like to go on pilgrimage with with me and ken and if we get enough really good solid feedback we'll, we'll
1: make it happen for sure i would love that that would be fantastic any opportunity to pray and hang out with you record a couple shows live together with an audience how fun would that be
0: yeah that would be great yeah I'd love that. I've told people for
1: years that, you know, we've been on the air together for nearly eight years now, and this is the best half hour of my week. And so to be able to involve other people and invite other people into this joyful exchange, you know, what is Living Stones about? But it's about the joy of being Catholic. It's about the joy of living our faith and discovering the truths that God has revealed to us that are meant to lead us into deeper relationship with himself. Uh, and so to, yes. you know, the, the community uh, now that literally stretches coast to coast here with, uh, with Living Stones being syndicated across America, like you can hear us in Philadelphia, you can hear us in Louisiana, you can hear us, of course, uh, you know, in Oregon and Washington and Oklahoma, Texas, all, all across. We'd love to, uh, to connect with you in person, uh, kind of an incarnational celebration of Living Stones. That would be a
0: joyful occasion. (laughs) Wouldn't that be fun? Absolutely.
1: Well, Deacon, last week you kindly introduced us to one of the greatest of the early saints of the church, one of the, uh, they call them the Apostolic Fathers. Is that kind of the title that we use? Those who actually, the saints who learned themselves at the foot of the apostles. You introduced us to Polycarp of Smyrna, who himself was a disciple.
0: Yeah, there's three sets. There's, There's the Apostolic Fathers, there's the the desert fathers uh huh right see there's the apostolic fathers the desert fathers and there's one more category of fathers that they have that they have not there. the deadbeat um, fathers
1: that's not the ones that we're going to talk about yeah <laughs> but uh yeah, so you introduced yeah. us to Polycarp of Smyrna, who uh you know was born in like eighty seventy and was martyred in his late eighties and uh was bishop of Smyrna, which is a town in uh modern day uh, Turkey. It's now called Izmir, uh Turkey, and he was bishop. And he himself learned at the foot of John the Apostle. And Polycarp, one of his own disciples, somebody that he was mentor to and probably ordained, is a saint and, uh, you know, a father and doctor that we're going to meet today. His name is Irenaeus. And Irenaeus was born in Smyrna, in in the town where Polycarp was bishop, uh, probably around 130, somewhere between 120 and 140. So at this time already, Polycarp was... Uh, let's see, carry the one, you know, he was in his 70s uh, around the time that Irenaeus was born. Irenaeus, again, learned at his foot and Polycarp probably ordained him because we know that Irenaeus was raised as a Catholic and that he then moved to a town in southern Gaul. Now, Gaul is uh, modern day France, and he moved to a Roman settlement called Lugdenum, which is modern-day Lyon. And in 177, uh, AD 177, Irenaeus is listed as a priest in Lyon. Uh, so we know that he was ordained some point prior to that, and that he made his way from Smyrna to southern Gaul. Uh, in 8177, he was sent by his bishop and by the local church to carry a letter To Rome, to Pope Eleutherius, to inform him about the danger of a heresy that was prevalent in the area called Montanism. Uh, This is different than Ultramontanism, which comes later, uh, that that is more of a modern uh, heresy. But uh, so he travels, uh, Irenaeus travels to Rome, and while he's in Rome, the emperor, Marcus Aurelius, authorizes and instigates a persecution of Christians in Lyon. And the persecution actually takes the lives, martyrs, several dozen, if not hundreds, of Christians in Lyon, including the bishop. And so when Irenaeus returned from his uh, mission to Rome, uh, he returned to Lyon, he was appointed bishop and he was the second bishop of the city so again the faith is relatively young in this portion of the uh, of the world uh and here he is Irenaeus who himself again learned the faith at the foot of Polycarp is now the second bishop of this town of the city of Lyon Um, he wrote extensively we know that uh, although Today, these days, we actually only have two uh, of his works uh, that are still extant, two that we can read. Uh, The most famous and one of the most important works that he wrote is called Adversus Heresies or Against the Heretics, and it was primarily aimed at a very prevalent um, heresy then that continues today, and the heresy is called Gnosticism. Gnosticism is a class of heresies that deal with uh, and that propose that there is a secret set of teachings in the Christian church and that what the is publicly professed is for the simple people and it will not lead to actual salvation, but that only those who are initiated into the secret teaching and the secret teaching, the secret knowledge, the, the Greek word is gnosis, Uh, The secret teaching is what is the only thing that can save, and it's only for those who are initiated into that. And of course, the church says no. Everything we teach and profess is public. We proclaim the—and you can read the Apostles' Creed, and you can uh, read—at the time, of course, the Apostles' Creed was the only form of the creed that was kind of public because— the Council of Nicaea wasn't going to be for another 150 years. But uh, so Irenaeus wrote specifically to counter the claims of the Gnostics. And he was very effective in his writing and in his preaching against the Gnostics. Although, as I say, it's not a class of heresies that has ever really gone away. Because even today, Gnosticism exists uh, and we'll talk a little bit about about how it exists uh, and how we see Gnosticism today. Uh, we'll get, get back to that because I want to quickly kind of go through his life. Um, the other piece that he wrote was called The Demonstration of the Apostolic Preaching, uh, which is primarily a work that explains the faith to recent converts. And then Irenaeus dies somewhere about 200 to 202. We don't have a lot of details about his death. He's been heralded and always uh, honored as a martyr and so it's believed that he actually was martyred, but we don't have details about his martyrdom. Here's the interesting thing. He's, of course, very influential because of his work primarily uh, against the heresies, but he was declared a doctor of the church just last year, on January 21st, 2022. Pope Francis declared him a doctor of the church, and what's amazing is most people actually thought that he already was a doctor. Saw a fantastic interview with Bishop Baron, uh, Bishop Robert Barron, of course, of Word on Fire Ministries and and uh, the Bishop of of uh, Rochester um, in Minnesota, and he mentioned that at the at the bishops' conference meeting uh, of of the United States, the so the French bishops proposed that Irenaeus B uh, made a doctor and they wrote to the other bishops conferences and said what do you guys you know do you guys agree with this do you, would you support us in this in this movement and the american bishops when they got the letter and considered it in in uh, their meeting they're like wait i i kind of thought he already was a doctor all along his title is the doctor unitatis or the doctor of unity and specifically, this refers to the fact that Irenaeus was born in the East and was raised with the what we would think of as Eastern Christianity, kind of early theology of the East, but then brought that to the West And because, of course, he was Bishop of uh, Lyon in France. And so he is a connector, a, a doctor of unity between the two, as St. John Paul II calls them, the lungs of the church, breathing with both East and West. And Irenaeus is therefore very important, but interestingly enough, because he also is now the earliest of the doctors to have lived, because he dies in 202, and the next doctor isn't until the fourth century, into in the 300s, and so he is both the newest and the most ancient of the doctors of the church, so that's a little bit about the life of Irenaeus of Lyon. Oh,
0: wonderful, yeah, because you see his writings if you pray the Liturgy of the Hours and you do the um, Office of Readings, yes, you'll see a number of his uh, writings in there as part of the the second reading, you know, or the second reading. <laughs> the, the, you well, know, yeah, the, the reflection. Yeah, I, I, yeah, the, yeah, the the second uh, reflection there um, after the uh, the the scripture the scripture section. Yeah, so he's is and you're right. Against heresies is is probably his his most popular work. And again, what is he doing? He's trying to help the faithful have a clear understanding of what the church teaches about specific things, so that people don't get confused, they don't get led astray, you know, uh, right. by some of these other other heretics. Again, who are not necessarily trying to turn people away; they just have a they're just trying to understand uh, who Jesus is and how we are to see ourselves in light of Him. Uh, But sometimes you get it wrong. And so it's guys Hmm. like Irenaeus that help get us back on track. And their teachings, even though he lived all the way back in the early church, they're still powerful and meaningful today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, as you say, heresies take a small part of the faith and inflate that into the single most important thing. And what Irenaeus is particularly known for is, Um, a systematic approach to the faith and pointing out that it is that the faith that we have received is a comprehensive faith that certainly we continue to reflect upon and increase our understanding of the truth. But there are no new truths created. The truths that we have have been handed down from the apostles who themselves walked with the Lord. And what's most important about that is that Irenaeus himself, received the apostolic teaching from Polycarp, who received the apostolic teaching from an apostle, the Apostle John. And so Irenaeus is critical for pointing out the importance of the apostolic tradition that is true and that is also entirely informed by the scriptures. So last week you mentioned Marcion. Marcion uh, was a heretic who created his own list of books of the canon of Scripture, rejected all of the Old Testament, and only accepted part of the Gospel of Luke. Irenaeus is vitally important because he's the first to witness in writing to the fourfold gospel. He speaks about and writes about Matthew and he says that Matthew's audience was the Hebrew audience, so a Jewish audience. He writes about Mark, and he witnesses to Mark as being the interpreter of Peter's preaching in Rome. He writes about Luke as the doctor companion of Paul. So, of course, you know, the the tradition is that Luke, who writes Luke and Acts, mentions that we traveled from here to there when he's talking about the travels of Paul. And so... Irenaeus is the first to witness to that to Luke as being the same doctor and then he of course writes about John as being the last of the apostles to write a gospel and again he knows this because he heard this from Polycarp who heard it from John himself so he's vitally important for witnessing to the fourfold nature of the gospel and for the importance of the scriptures as being the rule of faith against which the apostolic tradition is the authentic interpreter. Um, Pope Benedict XVI in his general audience in in March of 2007, which is linked on my own personal website at fathersanddoctors.com. You can click and read through all of Pope Benedict's general audiences on all of the fathers and doctors of the church, including this fantastic reflection on Irenaeus. Pope uh, Benedict wrote that... uh, Irenaeus emerged as the first great church theologian who created a systematic theology, which again speaks about the internal coherence of all of the faith. And he writes about the Apostles' Creed, the Apostles' Creed being the rule of faith. We, of course— You know, most of us are familiar with the Apostles' Creed through our prayer, you know, when we pray it at the beginning of the rosary. We recite the Apostles' Creed, which then gets fleshed out ever further in the Nicene Creed. But those are the teaching of the faith that is handed down from the apostles. The Creed is, as Pope Benedict described, a sort of gospel synthesis, that it helps us understand what it means and how we should read the gospel itself. And so Irenaeus is vitally important because he witnesses to also the goodness of creation. You know, last week we talked about the joyful pseudo feast of Meeting Friday. Meeting Friday being a celebration of the incarnation itself. The fact that creation is good. And this is vitally important because the Gnostics believe that uh, some Gnostics, and again, Gnosticism is a class of heresies, Gnostics, some of them preached that the world was actually not created by God, but the world was created by a demigod, a demigod, somebody lower than God, um, and that matter is evil, and that therefore God, who is spirit alone, uh, Christ came to free us from our bodies because our bodies are evil. That's not true at all. God created the earth and all of creation and saw that it was good. You know, we hear this in the book of Genesis. We hear this proclaimed at the Easter vigil. God saw that it was good, and God saw that it was very good, all that he had created. And so Irenaeus witnesses to this as a refutation of the Gnostics. And you know, and I mentioned earlier, Gnosticism continues to exist in our time. Creation is good. We are not spirits trapped in a body that need to be released from the body. We are not spirits who get to define what our body is and we don't get to refashion our bodies at our own whim to fulfill what we think is our true self because only our spiritual self is real. Where do we see this in our modern day? We see this in transgenderism. We see this in you know, the rejection of the body as received. I, Ken Hellenius, am a unity of body and soul body, soul, and spirit. This is me. My soul is united to my body. And in the resurrection, my soul will be reunited with my glorified body. But the body that I have received is me. It's not something I'm trapped in. That's a form of Gnosticism to think any otherwise. And we see this, of course, as the prevalent, it's everywhere we look, you know, it's the Gnosticism of our day. And it needs to be rejected. And it needs to be rejected by affirming the goodness of creation. And that's really one of the most important things that we receive from the teaching of Irenaeus of Lyon.
0: Yeah, exactly right. And, and so many reverberations in our culture today, like theology of the body. Yes. Right. You know, so that beautiful teaching by John Paul II, um, to me, was definitely uh, influenced by uh, some of the because obviously John Paul II had two doctoral degrees. Uh, so he would have studied the church fathers. And I'm sure that uh, Irenaeus would have an influence on him and his thinking. Yes. You know, as he's trying to synthesize his theology of the body, um, I'm sure Irenaeus would have been in the back of his mind, you know, as he was developing that that beautiful teaching. And, and it's so rich and meaningful for us today. You're so right, Ken. You know, we we can't see our this duality, this dualism of body separate from spirit. You know, they're integrated, you know. And, and, yep. and the more we see that that split— the more we see this kind of schizophrenic look at look at ourselves as human beings, no longer made in the image and likeness of God. We're trying to make God in our own image and likeness. You know, instead of conforming to the beauty and truth of the faith, we, we want the faith to conform to my truth. Right. You know? Uh, and, and that's exactly what Irenaeus helps us to think through.
1: Yeah. There's a fantastic quotation that uh, is very well known from Irenaeus, and it's also one that really can cause you to ponder, and it is, he said that the glory of God is man fully alive. And this quotation points to the fact that God doesn't need us, and that's a good thing. God creates us freely, fully, as an overflow of love. God doesn't create us because he needs us to do anything for him. He invites us into relationship, but it's not because he's a needy God. God rejoices in our being fully alive. Our our living out our full vocation doesn't detract from God and it doesn't threaten God. So the glory of God is man fully alive is Irenaeus' way of of reaffirming that creation is good and the creation is loved as creation, not because we do anything for God. God wants to share his love with us. And so it's fantastic. And But just one last thing on Irenaeus. You know, you pointed out we, he comes up a lot in the uh, Liturgy of the Hours, especially in the Office of Readings. He also is the third most quoted saint in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Oh. Now, I'll, I'll ask you a quick trivia question, Deacon. Who might you think is the most quoted saint in the catechism?
0: The most quoted saint? Augustine.
1: Correct. Augustine has 87 references, and uh, he's referenced in 87 paragraphs of the catechism. And who? how about second place?
0: Uh, Aquinas? Aquinas?
1: look at you the big brain on deacon harold absolutely it goes augustine aquinas with 53 references and irenaeus with 32 so we're talking about some major major saints here uh and we're talking about people who have helped us understand what it means to be in full relationship with the god who loves us and who loved us enough to become one of us and to lead us to salvation so that's the joy of irenaeus of Lyon, and and uh uh, I'm just happy to to have uh, had this opportunity to chat with you tonight about him. Oh,
0: awesome. Thank you so much, Ken.
1: Fantastic. Well, friends, we invite you to connect with us on Facebook. Just go to Livingstones Media. You can also download previous episodes of the show at com. Deacon, until we gather next week and learn about a new father of the church, might we uh, have a blessing?
0: Sure. May Almighty God bless you and keep you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living
0: Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com.